And really it's just like asking, like have absolutely no ego. And that is the biggest piece of advice is that you're going to get hundreds of no's and that sucks, but you will get the yeses. It's just, you need to, the no's and even in like introductions, not even like after a first call. So just like build out a really compelling pipeline, ask people to introduce you to them, go from there. Emma Bates is a marketer, entrepreneurista, and most importantly, a community builder. Prior to founding her most recent venture, Diem, Emma was the head of global marketing at the travel brand Away. Her deep level of empathy and passion for gender equality sparked the co-creation of Diem, a community platform that aims to tackle the inequality that exists for women and non-binary folks in real life and on social media by creating a platform centered on exchanging knowledge powered by conversation and community. Coming up, Emma's insights on fundraising as a woman and the unexpected emotional toll it can have, the the behind-the-scenes process of launching an app, how Emma and her team are working to reclaim the narrative of DMing, DM's vision for the future of monetizing ideas on the platform, and finally, Emma's perspective on the metaverse and how DM serves as an additive experience for users. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Emma, I am so excited to finally sit down with you and chat all about your entrepreneurista journey and story because you have such an inspiring story that I knew when we connected that our our listeners and audience really needed to hear. So thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to chat with you. And I would say one of the first key lessons that... I think that you can even share is just the power of outreach and reaching out because we connected because you sent a cold email. You didn't know Courtney, but you sent a cold email to, to Courtney to reach out. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. I, I mean, my whole background uh, professionally is in partnerships. So I have a firm belief in just sending an email and being like, Hey, I think you'd like what we're building. I would love to have you involved. And here we are. Here we are. So yes, there's nothing like the power of just reaching out and just asking because you never know unless you try and connect. And I remember uh, you sent Courtney that email and Courtney forwarded it to me and looped me in and we connected and realized there was so much opportunity for a partnership between Entrepreneurista and your business and also being able to share your journey and story on, on the podcast today. So again, thank you so, so much, Emma. I would love if you could dive into a little bit about your background and how your career started. Yeah. Um, How did my career start? That is a good question. Um, I, I mean, I'm British, obviously I live in New York. I moved here about six years ago, almost to the week. And my career started, I guess, actually while I was still at university, I was studying war studies at King's College London. And it's obviously very academic as the degree sounds, but I am very creative. And so I wanted to express my creativity in some way whilst I was studying, um, which led to me to start a blog. And I garnered 
close to over 100,000 readers at one point, and uh, it kind of grew into a business uh, while I was at university. It was in the very, very early stages of like influencers being paid. Mm -hmm. I think my first payment was $50, something like that. And that's how I learned marketing. So my career, I guess, started while I was still at university. Um, and then when I graduated, I went, I worked for one of the first creator platforms, built out their creator network from zero to 300 really sort of experienced community building for the first time and partnerships and like matching people to campaigns and all of that sort of stuff. And then I was approached by one of the co-founders of Away in 2016 when Away, I don't think anyone really knew what Away was. And it was a crazy journey with there for three years, the sort of hyper growth years of the business led all manner of different mm -hmm. partnerships while I was there, international marketing, all sorts of things. So that is my, I guess, career prior to DM. Um, and I met my co-founder, Divya, while I was working for Away. And yeah, we went on to create DM together. And the rest is history. That is the truly- The rest is history. <laughs> tr truly incredible. I want to go back for a moment and talk about the blog that you started when you were in college. What was the inspiration for your blog? What was it about? And how did it start to grow so quickly? Because as you mentioned, and what, what year was this when you were at school, when you started the blog? It must have been almost 10 years ago now. Yep. So yeah, super, so. super early days of influencer marketing. It was when it was really first yeah. starting. What was the inspiration to start your blog? Multiple things. I always really enjoy expressing myself by writing, not even good writing a lot of the time, just like writing stuff out. And I also was really interested in film photography as well. Uh, in the UK, you do A-levels uh, the last two years of your school. And I studied art as one of those four. And so I've always been like very interested in photography and arts and all of that sort of stuff. And I didn't really have anywhere to put this film photography that I was doing. And so it really started from that. It was just a place to put film photos and write mm. about them and what they meant and where I was and what I liked doing while I was there and all of that sort of stuff. So it centered very early on as just like London blogging, I guess, like mm. places I'd been, places I was going on holiday, or eventually that ended up being sponsored travel, which as a student was crazy, but also amazing. Um, amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I, I kind of just grew from there and I ended up writing about lots of different things and very passionate about sort of gender equality as I'm sure we will get into later in this podcast. Oh, yes. So wrote a few things about that as well. So then that experience led you to go work for a creator platform. And yeah. then from there, you said the, the founders of Away reached out to you and you shared, you know, that was obviously a very hyper growth startup and learning the, yeah. the ins and outs of marketing. When did you realize you wanted to start your own business? Is it while you were at Away and watched that business being built? I've been asked this question a lot. And I truly don't know if there was one moment where I was like, okay, it's going to like, I want to start a company. I think I've always thought uh, or, and worked even on quite an individual level. Mm -hmm. I love kind of working by myself or concepting ideas by myself. And so I think I've always had that maybe entrepreneurial mindset in that way uh, and applied that within teams or for campaigns or whatever that might be. So yeah, I, th I think it was a combination, accumulation of everything and, and really larger than all of that. It's just like, I'm so passionate about the mission that we have and bringing that to life. So tell me about Diem, this new business that has just launched. 
Yeah, so uh, we are building a platform really for exchanging your knowledge and connecting with others over that knowledge. So what that means in practice is really creating a social experience for women and non-binary folks that is rooted in just like common interest points. Like we live in these weird alternate spaces right now for sharing strange pictures of ourselves and edited versions of ourselves and all of that sort of stuff when really what lots of people want is just access to each other but more than that access to the information that each of us have via our own lived experiences so we want to harness all of the real world behavior that happens between women and non-binary folks which is to share our knowledge behind closed doors and bring that into the open like none of the doors are closed in dm uh, you can find wisdom from a thought leader that you really aspire to or maybe your best friend and you're in conversation about something that she knows maybe she maybe she has uh, an experience in finance uh, working in a finance company and you don't and you want to learn from her so it sort of spans all levels and all types of information but rooted in exchanging knowledge and doing it via conversation it's truly incredible i want to know were you still working full-time when you first started building this business or did you leave your full-time job to then focus on on building we sort of concepted the idea for dm which has changed quite a lot um admittedly while we were both still at away but we never really worked on it while we were still there i went on to do freelance work and sort of brand partnerships and marketing strategy uh freelance um, and then while I was freelancing, we started to put the idea together more, more concretely, research, building, all of that sort of stuff. And with your business partner, were you friends first through work before deciding to partner together? Yeah, we actually bonded over a team lunch. We went on the same team. Her background is in building technology, digital product. Um, and we were matched on this, like, uh, I think it was like a six person team lunch, basically. And we both were the greediest people at the table. And I, I have like, I'm, my family's, well, my mom's side of the family is Jewish. And so I have this inherent need to just have so much food the entire time, which I believe is genetic. And so I was like ordering everything. I was like, let's get another pizza. What about this? What about this? And then Divya was like, oh my God, you forgot the garlic bread. And I was like, how can I forget <laughs> the garlic bread? So yeah, it kind of, kind of literally rooted in, in us just eating too much. Um, and then we became friends. <laughs> I love that. I love hearing good uh, co-founder meeting and connecting stories. Yeah. So people often ask Courtney and I, you know, how do we make it work as best friends and also business partners? And it's definitely been a learning experience and journey because we, Courtney and I partnered together 10 plus years ago, we were in our early twenties and really grew up together and, you know, personally and professionally in our business and have learned so much over the years. And I think making a business partnership work in general can be hard and complicated. But of course, when you have the element of being friends first and then business partners, it can be even more complicated, but also really rewarding. How do you both make it work? Do you, you know, Courtney and I have opposite skill sets. So we always talk about dividing and conquering. How do you, how do you make it work? Exactly the same. So we always say to each other, I literally don't want to do your job and like have sort of trust in each other to do our own respective roles within the business. Mine obviously being more partnerships, marketing, consumer facing stuff as in user acquisition or pitching or whatever it might be. And then Divya is like, uh, she's our COO. So internal managing our tech team, product roadmap, all of that sort of stuff, operations centric, which yeah, I'm like, you do you. <laughs> 
that's really, really great to be able to, to divide and conquer that way. And I feel the same with court. We have completely opposite skill sets and come together as needed, but it's definitely important in a business partnership. Any other tips you can share for making a business partnership work? I think really just trust. You've partnered with them for a reason and trust them. Like if you, if you don't trust them, then there's probably a problem. Trust is probably the biggest piece of advice. Find the trust. <laughs> yes. So, so important. Emma, I would love if you can walk me through the process of building a tech company and a platform, especially in the early days. I feel like so many of our entrepreneurs have an idea to start an app. And it sounds like a great idea. Like, oh, I want to start an app to do this. But there's so much that goes into <laughs> the process and the development. And I'm sure you've learned so much over the past few years. Can you yeah. share for entrepreneurs who are thinking about launching an app or a tech business? What are some like key things to think about before you begin? Yeah, I will preface all of what I'm about to say with I'm still learning myself. So learn tons all literally credit to Divya. I, I didn't know, I, I usually only, I typically only worked in like consumer products uh, or physical products rather. So I just had never really touched the mammoth that is building technology. And I think that my biggest lessons that have come out of it that I could pass on to others are MVP. Like when we say MVP, it has to be the simplest possible version of what it is that you want to create. Like I'm a perfectionist. The concept of an MVP is anti every single bone in my entire body, but be really uncomfortable. Like there is a saying, I can't remember who said it, but it's like, if you aren't embarrassed by the product that you ship, then you've waited too long. Mm. And I never really understood that. I think at the beginning, as much as Divya to her credit would say it. And it's so true. Just it needs to be the minimum viable product that can prove the earliest version of your idea. Test and don't spend lots of money on it and don't spend lots of time on it. If there's a third party tool that you could test with already, test with that first mm -hmm. to see if it, if it works. Like maybe you want a community, use Slack, use there's a hundred community platforms, thousands of them, use that first, bare minimum, get it off the ground and just start. Like I think there's like, as soon as you start, like, build a newsletter. Like it doesn't even matter if you have five subscribers. It's just like, it'll grow. It'll get there. Start cultivating whatever it is that you're doing. Um, whether that be by building or whether that be by a marketing first, I think just like start testing it in any way that you can, because your product is going to change a hundred times. Ours already has uh, still changes every week. Yeah. We're like, oh wait, we should <laughs> do it this way. Uh, or like, oh, we got that wrong. Like, whoops it shouldn't have spent that much money on this or, or whatever it might be. And you're kind of like, should I, would I have known this beforehand? And then you're like, no, I just wouldn't have. So yeah. basically try and learn for as cheap amount of money or less. I don't know if that even makes sense for the least amount of money possible. Um, and you'll find it, but build from there. That is such great advice. So when you were first launching your MVP, what was the concept and what has it evolved to now? So the concept was very similar. We always wanted a place where we could go to to find information that we just couldn't find in the way that, at least in the format that we wanted to digest the information. So an example being like one of the first use cases or first ideas for DM came from me searching for the side effects of taking plan B. Mm. And 
I just couldn't find anything. I was like on WebMD, I was in forums from literally 10 years prior and I was crowdsourcing every woman in the office. Like if anyone from away is listening to this, they'll probably remember that. Um, just, it was just crazy. And I was like, why is, I know that the information's out there. Why can't I find it? Why isn't there a place where I can go and find the information in the way that I want to digest it? Like mm -hmm. the format I don't want to feel scared. I want it to be from lots of people that I trust or people who have had the same experience as me. And yeah, so I think the, the concept was there. The way we executed on it was we created like a feed essentially of, it started very central to health and wellness of medical approved content. So we got mm. medical advisors to write content about common interests, uh, common topics. Um, and then we had like almost like a Facebook group-esque commenting experience um where you could join based off of your like something that you were interested in, whether it be birth control or like something else um and so yeah that's where it started was very basic group feature messaging and a feed of articles basically but anyone that goes into dm now will see that's very different <laughs> how did you get that initial feedback from your users or members to then realize that you needed to pivot and to turn it into what it is today so we actually started dm as a newsletter so we started writing every i think it was every two weeks at the beginning just a roundup of everything we were seeing in the women's health and wellness and well-being space and that newsletter started growing. So then we put out a call to action in the newsletter saying, does anyone want to be a beta tester? Mm -hmm. um, and then we got, I think it was like a hundred people or something like that to be beta testers in the very first version. Some of whom are actually still with us today, which is like quite incredible. <laughs> and yeah, and then we watched what they were doing, even like used the product tons ourselves. And yeah, it's pretty obvious when something's not working. <laughs> Definitely. Emma, I know you recently had a successful fundraise. I would love to hear about your experience raising money because I know from personal experience how challenging it can be and especially for women. So I would love to hear your experience and some tips. Yeah, definitely wasn't easy is how I would start. We have uh, some incredible investors now, two funds or three funds, I guess, including Techstars. Yeah, and some incredible angels. Um, I was actually... Very proud at the end of it, our cap table is over 85% women and non-binary folks, uh, which is, I know that probably won't stay that way, but I'm very happy with it at the moment. <laughs> um, and yeah, the fundraise was probably, it sounds dramatic, but for anyone that's been through it, maybe they'll resonate. One of the hardest things I think I've ever done, mainly from the emotional side of, of the fundraise, I love pitching like talking to people, meeting people, that whole side of it, I think is really fun. The emotional turmoil between the pitches or the phone calls or whatever is just like on another level. I, I don't think I really appreciated how hard that part was. I think it's all between like between the calls. Where it's like, do you get a next call? Do you like, what are the next actions? Like, do they ghost you? Which unfortunately happens most of the time, uh, which is pretty terrible professional mm -hmm. behavior, if, if you ask me. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's not that fun. Um, <laughs> I think that for us, it took ages as well. It took a really long time. I really feel like 
we were getting somewhere and our message was resonating. I think given it was the first time we were really doing it, there was a lot of learning along the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, we were very lucky with who has come in. I adore all of them and they've been so, so helpful as we've built, we closed the round, I think it was in April-ish, April, May um, of last year. And so they've been so, so helpful over the last seven or eight months. But the process itself, I don't know if there are any more specific things I can provide, but it's just emotionally prepare yourself. <laughs> so walk me through when you first realized that you were going to need to raise money to build the platform. How did you decide how much money you thought you would need to raise? We took a lot of advice. So our first check was actually from Techstars. Um, we joined the Techstars Accelerator in summer of 2020. It was their first virtual cohort. So our MD, Jenny Fielding, who if anyone is lucky enough to know her, will know how phenomenal she is and how helpful she is uh, with advice. And so she gave us tons of advice around how much money to raise, how to raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get taught how to raise money while you're going through Techstars as well. And so Um, Yeah, a lot for us, it was really just asking everyone. I asked friends who are founders. I asked investors even that were sort of obviously further along that I had a good relationship with um, who I wouldn't directly be pitching. Um, And yeah, just sort of really getting a sense. We obviously knew our business costs and like what it would take to get us the metrics we thought we would need for the the next stage, but also just like the market changes the whole time. So just Mm -hmm. having a pulse on that is really important. And what was your process for reaching out to get meetings with angel investors or funds? Because everything changed over the past two years. It's basically all happening over Zoom right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've never pitched in person. I don't actually, I'm I'm a little bit nervous about our seed coming up because I'm like, well, I've asked for pitch in person. I'm like, (laughs) can I even pitch in person? Which I know I can. I used to do partnerships. It's hardly challenging for me personally, but but I think it's weird. Yeah, I've only done it on Zoom. And in terms of reaching out, as much as people like to say that the cold out- outreach is fine and it's changing and like, just to reach out and like, we'll reply to you. Like, it really just doesn't happen or at least not on a scale that I've, impactful scale that I've experienced personally. So a lot of us being in Techstars came through introductions. Like they introduced us to tons of people we had angel investors who uh, had sort of come in on the earlier round that introduced us to people in their networks. And really it's just like asking, like have absolutely no ego. And that is the biggest piece of advice is that you're going to get hundreds of no's and that sucks, but you will get the yeses. It's just, you need to, the no's and even in like introductions, not even like after a first call. So just like build out a really compelling pipeline, ask people to introduce you to them and go from there. How did you stay organized in the pitching process? Did you use a CRM or, you know, an Excel spreadsheet to do follow-ups, any organization tips you can share? For me, so having been in partnerships and used a lot of CRM tools, I actually don't like any of them. Um, So if anyone has a CRM tool that they do like, please let me know. But for us, we we just use Google Sheets. Um, We shared out our pipeline with investors, network, founders, et cetera, via Google Sheets. They filled in people they could introduce us to. And then to keep organized, I just set remind, I use Superhuman. You can set a reminder to remind you in like three days or or whatever. And so I just did that. That's awesome. Actually, we the CRM that we use is called Zoho CRM, Z-O-H-O CRM, which we've really liked working with to stay organized. But 
yeah, definitely staying organized in the fundraising process is extremely <laughs> important and can definitely relate to, to all of the challenges that you shared with the process and just setting expectations for how hard it is, you know, going into it. But of course, how rewarding it can be once you've made it through and, yeah. and are, are on the other side. We're, we haven't even talked about this publicly on the podcast yet, but we're talking about it now and we'll be sharing more, but we are really working to help solve this funding problem for so many women yeah. who want to fundraise and may not even have the connections or resources to get these personal intros. So we're working on building out all of these funding resources for entrepreneurs that will live on our site and have the opportunity to have their businesses and deals showcased on there. So, you know, VCs and angels can come essentially shop those deals and, and find yeah. out about all of these incredible entrepreneurs that are raising money. And we're really focused on, on solving that problem. So it can be even a little bit easier because it's, yeah, it's hard out there. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sucks. Uh, it's not a fun process to go through. And it's especially, I think the hardest thing that I found was there's even there's like research studies on this, but the type of questions that you get asked literally just by being a woman and like I'm a white woman who went to like a very good school and like have all of the privilege that comes along with all of my upbringing. And like it was so hard and they would basically be asking you questions as though presuming that you would fail, which like percentage wise, most companies will fail, but like to be asked questions from that lens versus sort of promotional language, which mm. via this is, a, I think it's a research study in MIT, maybe or Harvard Business Review, men get asked promotional questions so they can promote themselves. And like, there's no assumption that they're going to fail in the questions that are asked. Whereas like founders who are women tend to be asked questions that are like, how are you going to prevent failure? Or like, and just like all of your questions come back to that. And so sitting through conversations like that, and you're just like really smart and really intelligent, have a really good idea. Can you please just trust me? Is really annoying to sort of like grapple with when you're like, I'm just trying to tell you what my vision for the future is. And all you're asking me is like, I actually had one investor and I will never forget this. Went line by line through our beta metrics, which were minimal at the time, line by line was like, why did the user base go up this week? And I was like, why is that relevant to our conversation? <laughs> our metrics are phenomenal for the stage that we're at. Why are you asking me what happened on the 27th of September last year? Did you say it like that back to him? Almost, but not really. Like, I wish I'd send it, said it with more passive aggression in my voice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's wild out there. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Well, we are going to do whatever we can through Entrepreneurs to help solve a lot of these a lot of these challenges because it should be even a bit easier. The process, yeah. the fundraising process is definitely broken in general. So we'll, we'll definitely connect offline after <laughs> yeah, this recording and, and, and definitely <laughs> chat more about it, especially as you go into your next raise. Emma, I would love to hear a little bit about what inspired the name for your business. Oh, I have to give all credit to my mom. Jane Bates came up with a name for DM. It's actually, it, I mean, for obvious reasons, as you can hear by the sound, there's a lot that we can do to sort of reclaim the narrative of DMing. DMing for a lot of women is a very negative experience. And I personally have, I have like a, I don't know how many followers, but enough followers on Instagram. And uh, I get maybe 10 DMs a week plus from mainly men sending me pretty, 
gross stuff a lot of the time or just like her like being like hi babe or like you're gorgeous or like just like weird stuff and I'm like I, I don't know you I have all of the privacy settings on to like not enable this message yet some reason for some reason I'm still getting it and so direct messaging in general DMing sliding into her DMs that's vibe is pretty negative on the whole and mm. so we wanted to like reclaim it in a way and be like DMing in DM is exchanging knowledge it's exchanging information with each other it's it's having conversations around candid topics that you want to learn about or you want to mm-hmm. listen to. And so, yeah, it was a lot, a large amount to do with that. But initially, yeah, my mom came up with it. <laughs> I love it. It's a brilliant, brilliant idea and makes so much sense when, when you explain it. So what is the vision for DM? Where do you expect to be in the next few years? And, you know, 10 years from now, how will everyone know this company? Yeah, our, our vision is to close the gender power gap. Uh, that's what we want to achieve. We want to do it via creating resources, educational knowledge-based resources that open up opportunities, that provide access to information that you otherwise wouldn't have understood or couldn't find or, I don't know, just like wish that you'd been spoken to in that way, maybe at school. And uh, yeah, so so really... We want to sort of close the gender power gap via access to knowledge because not to sound cheesy, knowledge is power in in sort of the real world and also in the DM universe and also then provide financial incentives around sharing your knowledge. Like you should be getting money for all of your wisdom, whether your wisdom be career, whether it be Mm. health information that you're sharing, whatever it might be, we believe that you should be compensated for it. Um, so yeah, close the gender power gap is our ultimate hero vision. And then beyond that, instead of Googling a question that is vaguely related to your experience of being a woman or a non-binary person, we want you to DM it. Mm, I love that. What is your monetization strategy to grow your business? I'm sure that was an important question that you were asked many, many times as you were going through the fundraising process. <laughs> We've got some great prep here. You're prepping <laughs> me for our fundraise. Um, no, uh, we want to build a virtual economy that is uh, rooted in exchanging knowledge and recognizes value for knowledge and ultimately is an economy that um, financially benefits uh, women and non-binary folks, both in the DM platform and externally. So can you walk me through exactly what that means? So if I'm mm-hmm. on the platform as a user, can I make money by sharing my information with the, with the group? Yes. Ultimately, knowledge will be weighted in terms of its like value to the wider community. So uh, perhaps if you have a medical qualification versus you're sharing an anecdote of an experience, um, that would be weighted differently. Um, we're still working out the exact mechanics, but basically we want you to be able to uh, transact on a DM currency that is able to also be extracted from the platform. Um, I can go into more of the technical side of it, but uh, it might be a bit boring. Um, and um, yeah, it, it basically is like, we believe you should be recognized for the knowledge that you have and for the conversations that you have. Um, and you should be sort of compensated in relation to how that benefits others receiving the knowledge. That's really cool. I love that. Well, Emma, as a marketing expert and branding expert, which you are, I would love to hear about some of the initial ideas and strategies that you use for the launch and any tips you can share with our entrepreneurs who are about to launch their, their new business. 
Yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of launches as in like different versions of the product or sort of beta than public launches, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the way that I've thought about all of them is really tapping into the behavior that we want to convey happens in the real world that we are trying to encapsulate and bring into, into DM. And so how can we play into that real behavior, real world behavior to sort of spread the message of DM very organically? All of our, uh, we have a sort of list of over 20, 25,000 people now, all of whom were acquired organically. And so the way that we did that is really like playing into this word of mouth concept. Like we share information with each other every single day, all day, basically. And so we thought about our marketing campaigns in the very, in a very similar way, like create something that someone wants to tell their friend about. One of the most recent example pre-rolling out the public version of DM was uh, we create, created a DM ego quiz where you basically fill in, it's still on our website, actually, it's very funny. Um, and you should check it out if you're bored for five minutes, but you fill in like, you can find me at a party doing, we give you selections. You can find me, uh, I want to learn about this. And you fill in like three different answers, enter your email. And then we populate a personality for you. And what we thought about with the personalities was like, let's reclaim some of the negative descriptions of mm. women. So it would be like cat lady or one of the guys or ice queen, I think was another one. Like there's like 10 out there. So go have fun. But they populated a really beautifully designed uh, result that everyone wanted to share. And so then we had everyone sharing it to their stories, sending it in their like friendship groups, all of that sort of stuff. And we obviously got lots and lots of signups in a very short space of time just from that fun marketing stunt. And then what we did is we took all of the people that signed up from that and then like emailed them when we launched and were like, you can download it and introduce yourself. You don't have to like be your DM ego, et cetera, et cetera. I love that. Such a brilliant idea. I did want to talk a little bit about a buzzword. Everyone is talking now about the metaverse. <laughs> Oh, metaverse yeah. <laughs> nfts web how three. does how does yes web3 how does dm fit with with all of these new uh terms and technology that i feel like everyone is talking about yeah it's a good question our product right now is very web2 like mm -hmm. there's no uh web3 features per se uh we do believe there will be in the future um not uh, i think like we want to move away from being described as a metaverse directly mm -hmm. and really think about like, we will be creating virtual worlds. The technology we want to build is very three-dimensional. Like when you're in a, when someone's having a live conversation and there's, you're listening to hosts, for example, um, who are our subject matter experts in DM, talk about something they know. We want you to feel like you're sitting there, not because it's cool technology, which it is, but more because like when you feel like you're there, you actually feel safer. You want to share more candidly. Mm -hmm. You want to more knowledge can be exchanged in environments where you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and so we see the real opportunity with like three dimensional technology to build those environments that almost like gets the best knowledge for everyone and the best experience for everyone. So I think like future DM will very like I do believe it will be very much like that it will feel like a different universe I hope mm -hmm. uh but one that we don't want our users spending all of their days in we want you to come and be very intentional with your time and take what you need share what you need and then be additive I, I do believe that the sort of 
there's lots of different terminology describing the metaverse at the moment. Uh, to me, the metaverse is additive to our real life experience versus alternate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, there's so many opportunities around digital goods, like earning money for like renting your clothes out for like, I don't know, like you share like all of this sort of stuff. Like it'll be very, it will be very cool, but it should only be additive. I don't believe it will be an alternate reality. Emma, this is a fun segment we've been doing that you didn't know about ahead of time, or maybe you do because you listen to the podcast. We're going to do a few rapid fire questions. So the first word or words that come to your mind with these questions, are you ready? I think so. Okay. No pressure. (laughs) What is the most used app on your phone? DM, obviously. That was an easy one. See, we started using (laughs) it. Your favorite business tool or solution that you use in your business? Notion. I'm obsessed with Notion. Where is your happy place? Oh, my first thought was a beach, but I'm like, what beach? I don't know. (laughs) I love being at home with my family or loved ones. Love that. Coffee or tea? Coffee. I don't know people that can get through the day on tea. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, do you have a hidden or secret talent? Oh, I played the harp for 10 years. Wow. I don't know how secret that is, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's secret to everyone who's meeting you now who doesn't know you. <laughs> Could you still play? If there was a harp uh, I get asked that a lot and I, I hope so. <laughs> Emma, I would love to know what does your typical day look like when you're not working on, on building your platform? Mm, it usually involves a lot of food. And I love just, I've got great friends. I love hanging out with my friends. Uh, I think typically... I really enjoy going to reformer Pilates because it's exercise without feeling like you're going to die. Then like a very good brunch, great coffee. I unfortunately have yet to find an American cafe that does good coffee in New York. So Uh I always go to Australian cafes. Yeah. Then like maybe a long lunch, some reading if I'm feeling good. Uh, But yeah, just very chilled. I'm very chilled usually. (laughs) Do you believe that there's such thing as work-life balance? No. I believe there should be for everyone. I think that it, the lines got very blurred in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I, I strongly hope that there is for employees, like for our employees, for example, and like, please live your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me as well, like I try and obviously lead by example and like actually take weekends and go on holiday and do all of that sort of stuff. But I think if you're an entrepreneur, even when you're like on your weekend, you're like, oh my God, I'm stressed or like, I need to do this on Monday or whatever. So I I do try very hard to like remove myself from that mindset. But for for employees of a company, 100% there needs to be work-life balance. If you're a founder, I don't know if you have that luxury. No, I agree. It's, It's definitely not easy for me personally. I just love what we do so much and what we're building that it doesn't feel like work. I get like excited to go on on the computer on the weekends. If I have two hours of quiet time, like, oh, I can catch up on stuff and I can focus. (laughs) And because I just love what we're building. I think that's what's so important with being an entrepreneur, being sure that you're working on something, you're building something that even if you're working, doesn't feel like work and you're so excited and, and so passionate about that completely agree with you, you know, with employees, like I want our team to always feel valued and know I want them to take their weekends (laughs) and go take your holidays. And, and this is a choice that we've made to, to, to run a business. And I think it's just what comes with the, 
comes with the territory. Yep. Totally. Is there something, you know, now that you wish you knew when you were first starting your business? Outside of product, like, as in like, I wish we'd like, like maybe got there quick or we have got there quite quickly. I, I don't know. I think I'm just like quite hard on myself. No, I think I knew that it would be hard. I knew that you would have to like persistence is the biggest thing in entrepreneurship. I think just persist, like just keep going. Like you'll figure it out. It's going to be really hard. It's harder than anyone ever tells you what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think maybe if someone had just been like, you'll discover the meaning of persistence. Mm. Um, I'd be like, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now, you know, and you just told and everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you most grateful for every day? Um, I have a great support system. My boyfriend, family, friends, everyone is very encouraging. And I think the biggest thing that even your friends or your close, your loved ones, like will never realize is how much you appreciate them just like promoting your app or like liking a picture or like literally anything as small as that, that will take them like five seconds. I'm like, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I, I'm grateful for our support system. We have a great team. I love our team. Yeah. It's so important. A great support system and people who will like, and share your content. It is free, right? Yeah. Just everyone yeah. do it. <laughs> I'm like, everyone just use it. Just use that, please. <laughs> yes. My final question for you is what does being an entrepreneur mean to you, Emma? Ooh. Good question. I think it means building something you're passionate about and leading in a way that feels true to you. I love that and and cannot agree more. Emma, I could chat with you all day and I can't <laughs> wait to continue this conversation. And for our listeners who are listening now, we will definitely do an IG or Instagram live when this episode goes live and continue some of these, these thoughts that, that we've had here today. Emma, where can everyone find you and follow you? And of course, download the app. Yeah, so you can follow DM, just to ask DM, uh, D-I-E-M on Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. The app is available on the App Store and Google Play. Just type in DM Social Universe or something along those lines and it'll come up. Uh, we're bright purple, you cannot miss us. And then uh, me personally, my social handles are Emma S-H Bates. Thank you, Emma, for being here. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenistas.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm -hmm.